0: Berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town. Although, in that case, one earphone only, safety kids. I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. All right, second annual uh, Training with the Best Time's Take Command podcast here with Logan Paulson and Chris Gores. I am Craig Hoffman. I should have said this off the top, by the way. Uh, we all have both credentials in both worlds logan's not only uh, (laughs) a 10-year nfl veteran but a strength coach as well uh i obviously cover football and am a performance coach and chris uh performance coach who's worked with some of the the nfl athletes uh currently and in the past uh but also play wide receiver at cornell so um vast vast knowledge and experience uh, on either side of me and i have some too all right uh this, Chris, I think, is is most up your alley as someone who is the owner of a very large fitness facility. Um, Onyx Elite down in Richmond, Virginia, mm-hmm. if you're ever in the area, you should definitely go check it out. It's like, a Logan, I don't think you've been, had a chance to go down there yet, but it is. A, no, I haven't been down to one in Richmond. A, yeah. It is a yeah. fitness playground. I love going there. It's the best. Um, but I, I want to talk about what it would be like to help design an NFL facility. Chris, you've toured a couple. Um, yeah. you got friends in the league, strength coach-wise, yep. um, where you've toured a couple. You've seen some really nice ones. Logan, obviously, you yeah. played in, in a couple of different cities. Um, what, like, Let's just start off with the idea of space, because that, that's the biggest sure. factor anywhere, space. but especially in Ashburn for mm-hmm. the Commanders. Their space is extremely limited with what they have right now, which is part of the problem. What kind of space would you need if you were if you were designing like a facility from scratch for a team like the Commanders who uh, is going to be willing to spend some money on
1: it? If I'm designing a facility
2: from scratch. And I'm just talking well, about the also gym think, to be clear. I also think it also depends on like your philosophy as a coach. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like what you're trying to get out of the space too. Cause like, I always thought like when I, you know, when you first start training, like oh, I want a lot of weights. I want this yep. machine. I mm-hmm. want this. But for me, it's like now I want an area where we can lift, but then an area where we can like run. Yeah. And I want it to be in the same spot. Like I like I don't know if you've been to the bubble. Like I almost preferred if the racks were in the bubble, and we lifted in there, and then we could just run over to, mm-hmm. you know, our whatever our resisted sprinting or resisted jumps, and it's just all right there in the space. Yeah. Because like well, that to me that seems like that's perfect. Because like sometimes I want to like you know, get a potentiation effect from a squad or whatever we're doing. And I yep. think that extra space of movement is really, really important. Yeah. So we
0: admittedly took this idea from Beltway Football Podcast because mm-hmm. they were talking about it yesterday and JP was asking me about it. And I was like, that was actually one of the first things I said was like, you know, we can talk about the, you know, how many squat racks, how many this, how many that. But like the thing I want as a coach now for athletic training is space because these are athletes, as we've talked about, that need to move. So I need space for them to move.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I think for, for me, the the number one things that, that that I look at is from an injury prevention standpoint, like I got to keep these guys healthy. So this this is what my facility is designed for. My facility is not designed to train them to be the best athletes that they can be. My, they already are the best athletes in the world. My facility now is designed to keep these guys as healthy as possible. So we touched on this in the first part of the pro- the podcast. There is nothing like high speed running. Right. Like there is nothing that you can do from an exercise standpoint, whether it be RDLs or uh, Nordics, that's going to engage the hamstrings or activate the hamstrings the way that you would in a high speed run. So I have to have modalities for all of my guys to be able to high speed run. I'm going to start with space for high speed treadmills, treadmills that are going to go up to 25, 30 miles per hour, up to an incline, just something where I, I can get you on here and I can say, hey, you've got four seconds at 22 miles per hour. I for, need you
2: talking like for overspeed work, yeah.
1: Overspeed work, high speed work. What you, you can use it for, whatever you want, yeah. So, but just something that's something that's going to get up there because most treadmills are not going to get Correct. up to 20 miles per hour. Do you
2: ever? So, like, there was a period of time where in my off season, I would only, I not only it was pretty exclusive actually, but I'd mm-hmm. only train on a treadmill. And I noticed that when I got to the field, my foot strikes a little bit off because it's hitting in front of you and yep. kind of pulling you through. What's you talking about on the Charles? Uh, no, just this was like old straight. Oh, wow, yes, straight. yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes. And so that was the thing about that where I like, I, I kind of get away from that now. I'm yep. like, I want you on grass running. Yeah, yeah, Because I think it it encourages a more, it encourages you to find your feet and body position in a more specific definitely, way.
1: Definitely a big difference between running on a treadmill and running on the turf yeah. which is which is why i also like the idea of having this stuff near or or in the bubble where, yeah. where we can actually get into uh real real runs yeah. but i'm thinking about like if, if we're training in april or may right okay I, I i i'm not using these high speed runs to calibrate high speed i'm just using these high speed runs to activate your hamstrings so that we can maintain that strength so that when we do go and we run on our uh when we run our flying 10s or flying 20s, which I want space for. Yeah. Na- now, like, hey, this isn't the first time that you've done that. We've touched high speeds. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it's more of an injury prevention thing for me for the, for the max speed stuff. So it's yeah.
0: almost like the grass is a squat rack and the, you know, the, or something free weight the, and yeah. the treadmill is the machine version. Correct.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's the machine version where if I tell, if I tell a guy, hey, there's also nothing, that I, I will say this, there's nothing on the field that I can do to go from zero to instantly 22 miles per hour yeah right so so like you have to build up to that yeah right so if i can get them on the treadmill where they're going from zero to 22 miles per hour hold that for four seconds and then we're out of there versus telling a guy that hey we've got a 100 meter a 100 yard sprint mm. right like that's a that's a very different thing
2: do you see transfer there i mean this is maybe getting a little in the weeds but like that's something that i always get like because. I want the athlete to know how to accelerate and decelerate. And yeah. on the treadmill, like you said, they don't really get that Correct. same yeah. kind of process. They don't really get the body positions of movement the same way. Do you find that the transfer of the treadmill is high enough that you feel good about it? or
1: I don't, I don't feel good about the transfer. And, and again, like I'm not using the treadmill to transfer anything. I'm only using the, tre- to the treadmill to activate hamstrings in a way that I can't in, other, in any other modality in the weight room. There is nothing I can do in the weight room to activate the hamstrings the way that I can in a high-speed sprint. So, I need that just to be able to activate the hamstrings. So, how do you program that? I guess would be my other question. Yeah. So, well.
2: Because it, I, I'm sure neurologically very taxing, very demanding. Sure. Um, you can't throw that in just like willy-nilly. Like, nope. where does that got to go?
1: Sure. So, these guys, th- these guys have sprinted before, right? So, it's not like we're, we're building… Uh, from it, scratch yeah, somebody it, that needs an to learn early how to sprint. Type of thing. yeah this is an early phase type of thing and, and, and again like we are talking about the we we are talking about literally 30 seconds of exercise for the entire week but it's the 30 seconds of exercise that i can't get anywhere else and that, that's why i need this high-speed treadmill because we might do like five sets of three seconds twice a week right, right? like that that's it that's all uh, all we're gonna get in, in like March or April, and then as we get closer to the actual season, we're we're probably not gonna use these treadmills as much, right? Um, so to to build up to that, we still have all of our other exercises. We still have our RDLs and, and our nordics yeah. and our hamstring curls and all that other stuff, and we still have assisted runs as well, mm-hmm. right? So if I've got the space like we have at the bubble, you know, hooking up them up to a 1080 or a Vertimax Raptor where they can get assisted work. You got a 1080 man you got i I don't you broke
2: off huh i how much is a 1080 that's like twenty
1: thousand dollars well, you t- you told me that hey, if we're building this a dream is pursuit, Josh, this you is told Josh me I have seventy-five million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> this is not you said, this is
0: not Chris Gore as a Gucci uh, on honestly. Yeah, yeah. on yeah, Let's on get it. a
1: couple of
2: those, man.
0: The Vertamax Raptor—that's your guy. He's got the hookup there. Right. Hey, we're it, now talking. Jo- but yeah, Josh I, Harris, I, but love,
2: I love the 1080. But every time I'm like, yeah. Those
0: that don't know what 1080 is, 1080 is an
2: awesome sprint tool where, like, it's a it's a motorized sprint unit that hooks up to an iPad. And you can see max velocity, you can kind of encourage like certain deceleration of the sprint. So it's really good for programming because you're like, well, yeah. oh, I want a 50% deceleration for this training block. And I can program that in. And then as we progress, we can go into assisted runs, we can go into right. resist. It's just it's a great tool. The problem is it's extremely expensive. And it's very uh, expensive.
1: Yeah. It's very expensive. And it's not very fungible. Like you're not going to use it for a whole lot of other things, right? Like yeah. a squat rack I can use for. Bench, squat. Bench. I can yeah. do a bunch of different things. I like
2: you said fungible because it's like, I know Alabama, sorry, we're getting off track here. I know Alabama right. has like 20 of them. Yeah. And they said they only use one because they use it for rehab. They don't use, it's such a specific measuring it's tool. It's such a specific they thing. They use the
1: run rocket for right. field work. Right. So, if I again, we're we're talking about Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. I don't I don't have I don't have any budget concerns here. So if if I could, if and and I want to build somebody up to 22 miles per hour, yeah. right? So conventionally, the thinking is, all right, we're going to build up to 22 miles per hour. Let's say what what's 60 percent of that? What's 80 percent of that? I want you to run at 18 miles per hour. This and that, right? Instead of doing that with something like a 1080, what I can say is. We're going to run at 22 miles per hour, but I'm going to give you the assistance so you can achieve that at 70% effort, 80% effort, 90% effort. So the speed is still there, but the effort, the effort level isn't quite the same as if you were just running that on your own. right? So that's how we would build up to that. Mm-hmm. And right. the benefit being that neurologically,
0: your body's like, oh, we're going 22 miles an hour. Yeah, like, like, like literally what like, it feels like.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, so your brain is firing on that, on that, on that level. Your timing is there. Your your strides are there. And, and, and like I, get, I said, and this is a really nerdy yeah, question, yeah. but
2: I feel like overspeed training in the way you're describing yeah. is really sketchy for people who are field sport athletes because yeah. they don't run all the time. Yeah. So, again, like, how do you, so I always find resistance, resistance sprints, resisted sprints are like more bang for your buck yeah. because, you're taking people who don't run you're kind of decelerating them but the intensity still the neurological intensity is very very high yeah as a good way to kind of get them into some of the stuff you're describing yeah would you approach it the same way or is it like we're going 22 miles an hour on the 1080 day one from the no no, no no not yeah. day not but, but, day you, one. but you know what i'm saying yeah, no, yeah. like how exactly do you, how do you get that how do you find that progression with that
0: hey everyone this is brett boone would you know it i've got a podcast
1: yeah. Well, I mean, th- there's a lot of measurements that, that happen. Like we, we, we would still do all, all of our flying tens, flying twenties. Right. So if we know that before, you're before what would you do them before? Yeah. Like yeah. as a, as a post, as a post test or a test, mm-hmm. right? Like we know, all right, we're, we'll run a 40, but we're only going to measure your last 10 uh-huh. to, to see where you're at. Right? right. So if you're, if you're at a 1.02, then we know you're at 20 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. Right. So we know what you're capable of. And then, and then we build up to things like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. We're going to do these flying 10s, flying 20s. Now we're going to transition over to uh, the, the treadmill where, where you can do this without. And, and again, like the, the magic of the treadmill for me is going from zero straight to 22 miles per hour. Right. Right. So that, that, that neural drive. And just so people like understand,
0: this. like these are very fancy uh, high they're end huge. treadmills. Like the ones. Yeah. They're the ones where you see yeah. like the videos of so and so ran 22 miles an hour. Right. The coach has their hand behind their back or there's a strap. Like it's a it's a whole ordeal
1: right it's a horror it's a whole ordeal and and the reason why th- that that's the other part of it is i know if if we have a certain amount of space this has to take up a lot of that space right. so i'm going to put this in here first and then make everything else fit cuz i'm still leaving room for all of the other stuff right right but like this is this to me is is the moment where people get hurt right like yeah. to, to to me like the the we're dealing with hamstring issues right. over and over again like so how do we how do we Bulletproof the hamstrings. We've got to make sure that the hamstrings are mobile. We've got to make sure that the hamstrings are strong. And we've got to make sure that the hamstrings are powerful. Right. So, you know, to to do all those things and, and cover all those bases. And then going back to what you were talking about when we were talking about the Achilles, um, to, to me, the zone two of Achilles is jump rope. Right. Mm. So you talk about zone two training yeah. when you're getting ready for your 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 high rocks and it's like the the value of zone two training is, yeah, it's not super intense, but you're building that base. Like right. I know so many kids that don't know how to jump rope. And that's, that's the- a great point, dude. I,
2: know, I mean, like, it's just an easy way to accrue a ton of volume. Correct. Without any- without a ton of and intensity.
0: It's not, yeah, it's not that hard, right. um, relatively speaking. Um we should do an overspeed episode where you can ask the rest of the questions yeah. that are just, I yeah. see your wheels turn <laughs> off. So we'll do that on the train and, the and, and here's let's... the thing.
1: Here's the thing about overspeed is like, yeah. when people think of assisted work, I don't think of it as overspeed. Like if you can run 20 miles per You're hour. You're just thinking about it as like, like top speed. Work. Top speed with less effort. Mm. Because people think of overspeed as, if I can run 20 miles per hour, now with assistance, I can run 24 miles per hour. I don't want you to do that. Right. If I know that you can run 20 miles per hour, I'm only asking you to run your 20 miles per hour, but do it at less effort. So yeah. now you're doing it at 70% effort instead of 100% effort. Aww. So now I can focus on the ground strike and where what are my arms doing? What's my posture like and all those other things, right? right. So, all right. That's so, really more, more on,
2: yeah.
0: on that. On but that's what I would say. So, like, I think this, is, like, this, this, fits, this fits ass. the thing we're
2: talking about, yeah. though, right? Like, it's exactly right. You want somewhere yeah. you can run, somewhere we right. get resisted work, somewhere yes. you get assisted work. And I think the important thing for fans to hear is the last thing we're talking about is the lifting, right? It's <laughs> yes, like, yes. it is important. Like, don't get me wrong. It's super important. Like I, like the thing I would kind of say is like, is there a way for us to get eccentric overload later in a trading block? Like, do we have weight releasers? Do we have some type of machine to get that done? But the weights are the weights. You know what I'm saying? The, They're there. The
1: other, the other thing too is like, I, I there, there is no way that, that they've gotten to this level without going through a strength and conditioning program and hitting the weight room hard at whatever school that they were at. But they may not have gotten this training to help to help them understand like right. how to take care of their hamstrings even in the off season, right so this is something that I think is actually low hanging fruit, but it's something that is not necessarily valued or been taught or been valued in in weight rooms because you think of we're gonna squat right right so
0: that said, I probably want like twenty five thirty squat racks yeah, well, yeah, I saying, yeah. I don't know you're like, gonna need
1: you're gonna need squat racks. it's for crazy
2: sure. like. You know, because at the park, they have, I want to say, it's like a double rack. So I it's think like they, have, six. they have six or eight. Yeah. And they make that work pretty good. And so yeah. you don't need like,
0: I think, I think when you go to college weight room and it's like, yeah. here's, there's a hundred kids on the, on yeah, the, but on the team. But there's there's 90 guys in the NFL in the offseason. There's
1: yeah. there's more than that in the offseason in, in, in college because you might have a hundred guys and then you have a group of 30 or 40 guys that are red shirts or, yeah. or you know what I mean? For so it's sure. like hundred, but
0: I would still want like 25, 30. Like I would love for the, in the season, the defense to be able to live together, the offense to be able to live together. Like, I, I think that's ideal.
1: Um, and so, again, if we're, if we're talking about like, you know, Josh Harris. Have you, have you ever been on a team where offense and defense lift together? No.
2: Like every weight room I've been in, the biggest weight room I, that I've been exposed to was the one in San Francisco, and I liked it a lot. And so it basically fits this model that we're describing. It's right. like a big warehouse. Mm-hmm. Like coaches' offices in there, strength coaches' offices in there. They have probably, I want to say 20 racks, maybe yeah. 15. So like everybody can be in there. They have dumbbells in a second, se- separate section. They have the machines in a separate yeah. section. They have yeah. this big Kind of garage doors that open up directly to the field so the yep. run rockets are right there and in yep. california it's never raining you know what i'm saying so like you can just pop out there get your work done and totally. so that's one thing that i loved about that it was just so convenient yeah like, we're going to finish our strength work we're going to go right to the field yeah there's not this big transition where we got to walk four miles you know and four miles is an exaggeration yes but yes i think that's the thing and like so the other thing i wanted to ask like in addition to the racks would you get like a like a velocity-based measuring Absolutely. system. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Every, a, like, what is it like? Perch is like kind of the what everybody's talking about now, right? Where it's like digital as opposed to having hooked something up to the bar, right? Yeah. 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 Everything is
1: digital now. Yeah. yeah. Um, just just something that's going to get me some sort of measurement. I mean, I'm I'm obviously going to have all of the Vald stuff, but the, the yeah. force plates, um, the the, the, the Nord it, boards.
2: And so for people at home, like the the force plates, you're just using that for testing, right? You're not using that as part of the yes, programming. Yes week? and no. Okay. Yes
1: and no. Like like. One of the things that I love about, like, the cat is I can put somebody, if I know what their max force is, Mm -hmm. max force, max isometric force, right, in, let's say, an acceleration step or whatever. And I'm going to say, and now I can put them on an iPad, and I can say, hey, this is your max force. I want you to maintain that force for five reps at three seconds per rep. Mm -hmm. And they're looking at it, boom, three seconds, pushing as hard as they can. Like, that's so valuable to me Mm -hmm. right so so the more information that we can give to talk about like for isometric
2: work right isometric work, overcoming isometric work yeah Yeah. definitely having that feedback is huge
1: that feedback is so huge so so to be able to do that and not not just get the adaptation that we want but to get the buy-in from the athletes yeah because so so much of what you're doing in a strength and conditioning weight room or as a coach is to create that buy-in from that athlete like do they believe what they're doing is helping them as an athlete. Because if not, they're going to go to their own guy. And right. and they should. I, I would never discourage that because like- Especially if you, the
0: guy is Chris Gore.
1: If you have your own guy, like the, it We're would be- policy. We, we always ask, uh, I talked about this a little bit on some of our other podcasts, like if you're going to be somebody that asks your players to drop their ego, you got to be willing to drop your ego as uh-huh. well. So for you to think that you are the best solution for every guy that walks in is crazy because that guy might have a great relationship with his own trainer or that trainer knows him and designs programs just for them. Welcome back. You have to welcome back, right? But hey, can you buy into some of the things that we're doing here or can we mimic some of the stuff that you're doing with your trainer here so that... You're doing it around the team. We're 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 creating that culture here where you know we're we're all ultimately working for the same goal. So sure. that's what the not just your personality, but your equipment has to say the same thing, the way that the, you design the weight room. Um at, at in Ashburn now, the way that the weight room is set up is you have your weight room and then the fields are this way and the bubbles are the, the bubble is that way. But like you said, like if you go to Vegas or Chicago or Buffalo weight rooms that I've seen where the weight room is right there and then you can walk out of the weight room and step right onto the turf to do your sprints or your resisted work, assisted work, whatever it is. Or you talk like, about injury prevention, scenario?
0: like if if your gym is the center of your kind of warm-up, you know, injury prevention space mm-hmm. to be able to go in there and then easily get to practice. Yep. Yeah. I think that's, it's, that's huge.
2: The same thing in San Fran. Like we would have the rollers out there. You just, mm-hmm. they're all, and it's not like this crazy setup where they got to carry everything to the field. It's like, everything's here's the weight room just grab something go on the turf roll out yep. go to practice and i think uh that kind of set up I, you know the stuff in the weight room i think is obviously really important because it, it reflects the coach's philosophy and perspective yeah but ultimately i always come back to like you're you're trying to make a program that's 80 percent effective for like 100 dudes yeah, yeah so like exactly straight weight's probably okay mm-hmm. running treadmill good Resistant sprints good. It's more about the proximity and the location and making it easy for the guys to get in there, get what they need to get done and then move on. You know what I'm saying? Like there was a, uh, there was a, um, I was, I forget where I was, but you know those companies that put up like the, uh, the shipping containers of weightlifting stuff? Yeah. 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 And I thought even that would be tremendously advantageous if they just put something on the turf at um in at, ashburn yeah in Ashburn, right yeah. they just got a rack there set up it's all weather little cover like that would be awesome because yeah. it give it it meets mm-hmm. this criteria that we're describing and it gives you that ability as a coach to be like hey we're on the field we're in the weight room and this it's very transferable as yeah. opposed to like we're here and this is a separate a separate part of our identity i think combining the field and the weight room stuff is incredibly
1: critical yeah
0: so There you go. Proximity is very important. Space, very important. And the weights are the weights. 45 pounds is 45 pounds. Yeah, it is 45, pounds. Uh, 45 pounds. Now, what you do with that 45 pounds? That well, can change well, the weight. 45 feels, pounds but-
1: to me is way different than it is to Logan. <laughs> but <laughs> but
0: we don't measure it against that. That's we true. measure it against gravity, Chris. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh that is our show here from Indianapolis, the second annual Train with the Best Take Command crossover podcast. Uh take command, uh, of course, out multiple times per week with me and Logan, Train with the Best bi-weekly, uh, once every other week. With me and Chris, Uh, we have tons of content on both podcasts from Indy. So whichever feed you're listening in right now, uh, plenty more to come here from the NFL Combine. For Logan and Chris, I'm Craig, and we'll see you next time on Take Command and the Training for Best.